Hey family, this is Pastor Joshua Eggerson, and I want to welcome you to Faith Charge. This is a web series that we've created because we wanted to be able to get the message of empowerment and encouragement to you wherever you are in this season. So I need you to do me a favor. If you're watching me on Facebook, I need you to go over to YouTube and follow me and subscribe at Joshua Eggerson. And if you're watching on YouTube, I need you to go to Facebook and uh, follow me at Pastor Joshua Eggerson. So that you can be updated on all the new content that we upload for no other purpose than to be a blessing to you. Also, uh, I pastor a church called Faith Restored here in Jacksonville, and I want you to follow us on social media so that you can be a part of the move of God that he's birthing here in uh, the largest city in North America. So follow us on Facebook at High Faith Restored, on Instagram at High Faith Restored, and on YouTube at Faith Restored, and I promise uh, everything you see there is going to be a blessing to you because God is doing something amazing uh, through this local church. So I wanted to take some time and just encourage you because I feel like this coronavirus crisis is showing us as Americans uh, and really as people all over the world how little control we actually have over our lives. I think that the idol of control is something that is huge in American culture. We want to feel like we are in control of our lives. Like the poet said, we are the masters of our fate and we are the captains of our soul. We want to feel like we're in charge of our lives, but God sends things into our lives and allows things to happen in our lives to reinforce the reality that we are not in control. Because if we were in control, we would know what to do. But since we don't know what to do, it shows us that we are not in control, that there is something higher at work, that we have to submit to a higher authority. And I think that the idol of control rejects submission so much that it causes us to have anxiety. And many of us uh, are having great deals of anxiety. We're dealing with depression. We're dealing with frustration. Domestic abuse is at an all time high during this uh, coronavirus crisis. And I believe that all of that uh, is precipitated by the reality that we're figuring out that we are not in control and people don't know how to handle it when they don't know what to do. People are like me when you're lost or when you lose something, you get frustrated because you don't like the idea of not knowing where something is or not knowing what to do. And the question has to be asked for us as pastors and for the people that we minister to and for you yourselves, what do we do as a culture when we don't know what to do? How do we handle life when we don't know what's next? And it's not just us, right? If you watch a White House press briefing, you understand that even the people who are supposed to know what to do can't agree on what we're supposed to do. Everyone has a different forecast. Everyone has a different prognosis. Everyone has a different set of ideas. There is conflicting research about how the virus is transferred from person to person and how we're able to mitigate its spread and flatten the curve. Nobody's able to agree because nobody really knows what to do. 
And if you're an expert in infectious disease or you're a pastor or an influencer or a thought leader or a parent that's trying to figure out how you're going to work and take care of your kids at the same time. God says you need to understand that you're not going to have the answers. And where do we turn when we don't know? And my thought is simple and I want to encourage you with this. When we don't know what to do, we have the ability to turn to a God who absolutely always knows what to do. And in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, Jeremiah is a prophet and he's talking to the people of God who themselves are on lockdown, not because of a virus, but they're under Babylonian captivity. Their movement has been restricted. They're forced to stay at home under government orders. They cannot worship freely like they used to. And in the midst of all of this, there are conflicting voices. There are voices that say, hey, we've offended God. This is his punishment to us. It's going to last forever. Don't ever look to see Jerusalem again. And then there are other prophets that are saying, oh, no, God hasn't forsaken us. We're coming out of this thing in just a little while. And so Jeremiah, like most prophets, takes an unpopular position, not on the left or on the right, but in the middle. And he says, yes, we've offended God. And yes, this is his punishment to us. But God loves us too much to leave us like this forever. And then he flips around and says, but these prophets that are telling you you're coming out next week, next month or next year. They're also lying to you. You need to find a way to settle that God is going to bring you out of this circumstance in his own time. And I know that hurts to hear, right? Because we want to go back to life as normal. We want to be able to go back to work again, to watch NBA games again, to have kickbacks and barbecues and crab boils. If you're down here in Florida again, we want to be able to do what we used to do again. But God says, I'm going to lift this in my own time because you might be upset about a virus, but I'm working on something. Yeah, God, God says, uh, you might be concerned about your captivity, Israel, but I'm working on something. I'm trying to teach you something in the midst of this, and I know you don't understand it. America, I know you don't understand what I'm doing in the midst of this. I, I, I know you don't get why I'm allowing things to happen, why I'm allowing industry to shut down, why I'm denying the class of 2020 their graduations that they've earned, uh, why I'm allowing things like this to transpire in creation. But even though you don't know, if you know me, trust me enough to know that I know. And this is what he says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. He's like, look, I know you don't know. He's like, but I know. And in the midst of comfort or in the midst of crisis, I take comfort in the fact that God knows what he's doing. I don't know what God is doing. And I'm a preacher. I feel like I got a pretty good relationship with God. I hear God. I talk to him often. 
But when I look at what's happening, when I see the death toll going up, and when I see politicians who can't agree on the fact that we need to slow the spread of this virus, and when I see pastors coming against each other in the body of Christ on Facebook and, and on Twitter and on Instagram, and we're criticizing our co-laborers in ministry because they have different convictions and different responses than we do. I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust that you know. When, when, when I'm pastoring single moms who's, uh, who the father of their children is absent in their child's life and so they got to send that baby to daycare but now daycares are closed because schools are closed and so they got to choose between being a good mommy and being a provider because they got to do this thing all by themselves I'm like God I don't know what you're doing when I'm talking to people who were upwardly mobile in corporate America but now their industry has been shut down because of this virus and people who used to be financially stable are now calling the church asking for help. I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing. But the glimmer of hope in the midst of all of this is that God knows what he's doing. And that if we trust him, we got to believe that he's doing it for our ultimate good and for his ultimate glory. He says, look, I know the plans that I have for you. And their plans, check this out, for your welfare and not your calamity. But he's not talking about your situational welfare or your situational calamity, right? He's talking about your ultimate welfare and your ultimate calamity, meaning you might be upset right now, but this is not going to end with you being upset. You might be hurting right now, but it's not going to end with you hurting. Ultimately, you're going to see that my plan was active in it. And you know this to be true, right? You know this to be true in your own life because you had that ex, you had that person that you wanted to be with and you prayed, Lord, please make it work out for us. God, please keep us together. God, please make her love me. And God, let that thing fall apart. But then some years later, you seen that joker in Walmart and then you had to pull over in the frozen food aisle and have a praise break because God didn't answer that prayer in the moment you were hurting but ultimately you thank God for what he allowed to happen in your life and that's all the prophet is saying he's like look it may not feel good but when you come out of this you're going to say God thank you for this why are we going to thank God for this virus pastor Josh why are we going to thank God for this situation why are we going to thank God for quarantine and for social distancing you know why because more people are praying now than ever before more people are seeking God now than ever before. Pastors are learning now that you can't depend on the size of your church. God is your provider. People are learning now that you got to learn how to deal with yourself. You can't always have people around you. You got to learn how to like yourself enough to stay at home. Pray, read your Bible. People are learning to fast now and it's bringing them closer to God. Your prayer life is going to be on 100 after this because you don't know how you're going to feed your children. Your prayer life is going to be on 100 after this because now that you and your wife or you and your husband got to sit at home together, y'all got to really figure out how to live with each other because y'all ain't got eight hours of separation through the workday. You're going to come out of this stronger, right? And if Jeremiah doesn't do it for you, I'll close with this. Paul says in Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Meaning that if God has chosen you, 
to be one of his. Everything that you go through, no matter how bad it feels, is working together for your good. And I tell my church this all the time. It may not feel good while it's working, but it's working for your good. And I want to encourage you that we're going to come out of this better than we went in. Because even though President Trump doesn't know, Dr. Fauci doesn't know, the attorney, the surgeon general doesn't know, our governor, our mayor sure don't know. But God knows. And I take comfort in the fact, and I challenge you to do the same. Take comfort in the fact that God knows what he's doing. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for your welfare and not your calamity. To give you a future and a hope. You got a future after this. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it doesn't look like it. But you're going to come out of this. You're going to come out of that depression. You're going to come out of your anxiety. You're going to come out of that fear. You're going to recover economically. I know your 401k has been ravaged by the stock market. But God says, I got you covered. It's never been the stock market that was keeping you anyway. I've got you covered. God says, I've got a plan for you. And it's for your welfare and not your calamity. The New King James says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God says, I've got you covered. And if you trust me, I'm going to make sure that you make it out of this thing all right. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray now for my brother, my sister, who is watching that's dealing with confusion, that does not know, God, what to do, that, that provider that has babies looking at them, wondering how they're going to eat and how they're going to be fed and how they're going to be clothed and whether or not the lights are going to stay on and whether or not they're going to have gas in their car to drive. God, I pray that you give them comfort. Let them know that you are still Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Let them know that you are still in the blessing business, even in the midst of our calamity, God. Let them know that you haven't forsaken them and that you are using this trial, no matter how painful, to bring about a better them. Encourage them, oh God, in their spirit. Touch them in the innermost parts of their being, their spirit, man. Lift them up now and let them know that you're going to make them better after this, that there will be glory after this. And Father, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, people, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I will see you next week on Faith Charge. Peace.